Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. We're really happy to be back for this part two of a really heavy topic, but we've got some good insights, so I'm really excited to get into it. I'm Michelle Maros. I am the co-host of this super fun podcast, and I'm here with my mom, Barb Schmidt. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be back for part two as well. We've never done a part two before. But this, this subject matter certainly called for a part two. We could probably do three, four, yeah. five, six, and so seven. And so maybe too. maybe one day we will. But yeah. um, if you've listened to part one, or if you haven't listened to part one, maybe go back and listen. Go give it a listen. Yeah, I think um, it would be helpful. Last week, we dived into the topic of grief. Yeah, and it would be helpful to listen to part one, but you could listen to this one and then go back to part one because they will all the episodes because uh, they'll they <laughs> these two episodes stand stand alone as well. Yes, um, of course, with of the course. content that we're going to present. In the first so. part, we we dived into our your story. personal stories yeah. with grief, my story with mm-hmm. with my dad, and your story with Ellie, and just really what that looked like for us in our lives and how it showed up for us in our lives and the two different experiences that we've had. And just like with anything else outside of everything else, it's just very cathartic to share your story. Honestly. Um, I've written a lot about my grief and my experience with death and loss. And if nothing else, just like we talk about with journaling putting pen to paper and writing about it and sharing and telling your story and tapping into the feelings and just having an outlet is really helpful. So um, I hope us sharing our stories last week were helpful, but we've also got some insights today to carry us along on the grief journey. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, I love what you said, Michelle, because I, I truly, truly, truly believe that when we're going through a grief, a grief. I mean, 
loss and yeah, grief, no, just, um, especially, um, you know, with you sharing the loss of your dad. So suddenly, um, when we're going through grief, we think we're alone. You know, we think that we're, we've got to, uh, you know, buckle up and try to manage this ourselves. We don't think that other people want to hear about it or, or we're not willing to be very vulnerable or whatever it is that's happening for us. And I think it's really important to know that you're not alone and that of by course. sharing your story not only helps you begin the, the, it starts to open the door to the healing process, but it also helps you join the community of everyone everyone on the planet will experience loss and grief at some point. So I just wanted to say that, that I think sharing your grief and being able to talk about it openly is powerful. Absolutely. Because grief and loss is an unavoidable part of life. It's something every single one of us will experience at some point. None of us go through life unscathed and we all will have these difficulties. We all will go through some aspect of these emotions and somehow knowing that, that everyone will go through that in one way or another is a bit comforting. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the ultimate humanizing experience and the ultimate example of life's impermanence, the ultimate example of how we really don't have any control of what happens in life and what happens in the external world. And, of course, the only thing that we can manage and control is our reactions and responses to it. As we say, beautifully said, beautifully in said. a lot of episodes, but I, grief, grief and death to me are the pinnacles of that. And so it's always been my belief or at least my experience that it's, it's the teacher grief and death is the teacher because I, I can't control it, but I can start to be aware of what's happening within myself and learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's so, dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. Um, today we want to talk about, last week we shared our stories and what grief looks like and how we have our relationship with it. Today we want to talk about a little bit more into the after effects of grief, like what happens, how does it change us, what does life look like after experiencing a loss? Because the truth is, and I, I really identify with this strongly there's life before and then there's life after um a loss and of course if you experience as many experience many losses you know that can cut your life up into many different chapters but for me like I said in in the last episode the biggest experience of grief it was the unexpected death of my dad when I was in college I was 21 and so I really break up my life pre-dead dad and post-dead dad. And of course, I'm sure as my life continues, there will be other aspects of that. Um, And so what does this second chapter post-loss look like? And how has it changed us? And, And what does this second chapter entail? And for me... I'll talk about a little bit my experiences, and I know you'll talk about yours and and give us some insights about it all. But I experienced a lot of sadness, of course, but I also noticed, and I even experienced this to this day, even 15 years later, I have a lot of fear around death now that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. Um, There is that 
that piece of me that tenses up when I get a phone call from some like from you or from someone and they say call me back right away or I need to talk to you because that is the trauma from the last experience like I said we landed turned the phones on we need to talk to you right away so a little bit of my trauma response is if someone needs to talk to me right away it means someone died Mm -hmm. um And I think because of how much my life was turned upside down after that death, all of the pain, all of the emotions, which we're going to get into, all of the feelings that we can feel after grief, but after having experienced all of that, and now even 15 years later, still feeling charged, I guess, about it, there's so much fear of like, oh my God, can I even go through that again? So it's the trauma response of, oh my gosh, if someone calls me, does that mean someone died? And having that underlying fear that at any moment it's going to happen again. And then having the fear of going through all of those feelings again. Like, can I do it again? So I know that's that's what's changed in me, for sure. <laughs> First of all. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, and it makes sense. And I think what I love about everything that you've shared and that you continue to share 15 years later is that, that death changes you. And I think you, this in particular, um, every death is a unique experience for each and every one of us. As you, you said this in the last episode as well, that we all have our own unique way and we all have our own, um, we go through the pain of loss in our own really beautifully unique way. And we need to step into that and, and it's, it's, and be okay with that. And so I think with the loss of your dad, he went to sleep and didn't wake up. You know, so it's such a sudden loss. And then and then adding the caveat to that, that we ended, we were on an airplane and didn't even know it. And we land in L.A. We live in Florida. So after you're right, a six hour flight, we land in L.A. and get all the all the many, 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 many text messages and voice messages um, that we need to call home right away. So it's very traumatic. I mean, death is traumatic. So I th- I think it changes you. And I, I love that you're being vulnerable enough to share that, that 15 years later, you still you still fear um, the phone call. And I think for me, I, as I shared in the last episode that at six years old, I was the going to the funeral girl. Um, you know, my family was, were five of us. And when someone close to us would die, I would go with my dad to the funeral. Um, we lived in the Chicago, Illinois area and we drive to Ohio and I would go to the funeral. My mom would stay back with the kids. So I got so accustomed to going that I think part of me kind of shut down you know, so that I could, I could deal with it, especially when, um, one of the deaths was my little, um, three-year-old cousin who got hit by a car. So, you know, death can have so many different layers to it. And I think for me, it's been a journey since six years old to understand death. I have always had now a fascination with death. I wanted to understand the impermanence of it. I wanted to understand the meaning of it, but I also want to understand where did the people go? So I've spent, my life really studying death. And I was a student way back in the eighties of reading and, and listening to Elizabeth Cooper Ross and the five stages of grief and all that. So death has always fascinated me. And so for me today, I look at, I always look at the, the, the death and the loss as, okay, so now where did that person in, in my example now recently with my, my dog Ellie dying last week and today's the, the one week anniversary, like trying to 
trying to sort out in my brain, where is she? <laughs> so I have that, you know, so we all have some lingering effect of death. So mine is always where I want to, where are they? I want to, I want to make sure <laughs> that I can still feel their essence and still feel their energy around me. So I, I'm open to, you know, sorting out, okay, where are they? Where can I feel them? And I never want to be closed off to thinking that their body is gone. Yes, but their, their essence and energy is still here. So that's my thing with death and how it changed me. Cause you're right. We, when we experience death, and loss like this, we are forever changed. And I think that's a good thing. You wrote, wrote about that in your blog. And I think it's a, if we can embrace it as it's really a good thing because we can take the parts of it that can live with us for the rest of our lives until our own death. It is a good thing because even though I said, you know, when it happened to me in the period of my life that I was in was going, going into my last year of college and just all of the things and being a hot mess the messiness was really good because it taught me so much and ultimately made me more resilient and made me a stronger person and made me realize I was capable of things I didn't think I was capable of. Obviously, after some time, I was some mess for a while. Um, but it changes things and it also brings things to the surface. And I know we weren't planning on talking about this today, but I think for me too, a lot of my unhealthy habits rose to the surface with grief. Mm -hmm. And even though that can be really painful and challenging to have in the moment, it brings it up so you can look at it. Like I was, I was in college still, so I was partying a lot and drinking a lot. And that's, we're going to get into that in another episode for sure. But that was something that worried you a lot a because lot. we have a history of of addiction and alcoholism in our family. And I noticed within myself, even my emotions when I was partying in school, I was just like, you know, I would have a couple of drinks and I would hysterically cry. Mm -hmm. I was, I was the drunk crier, but ultimately I could look at that and say, okay, like these are just a lot of things that are happening because of this experience. And I need to look at it because this isn't healthy for me. Um, so, so much rises to the surface in grief. And although it can be painful and difficult, all of these things were painful and difficult. The anxiety, the fear of hap it happening again, um, the codependency of well, if I'm going to lose someone even more painful. Um, it's, it's a lot, but it comes to the surface. And like we were talking about before we came in here to record, if you can notice it, and name it to tame it, that's really everything. So all of those things that I just mentioned were things that are up, were up for me, are up for me, I still experience. But if I can at least say, okay, like you, if you call me and I said, oh, I was worried something happened, we talk through it. Yeah. Um, with some of my unhealthy habits, you work through it. With the anxiety and the writing stories, you work through the stories so that you can say, okay, is that really a likely possibility? Um, just yeah. like with everything else that we talk about on this show, the awareness of what's up and what has changed and what the grief is bringing up for you can help you to move through and not have judgment about what comes up. Because I could have had judgment about any of those things like, oh, who am I now after this? Yeah. And like we said at the start, there's the before and then there's the after. And if you start to judge the after, like there's something wrong with this person because of the molding and the transformation that's occurred because of the grief, 
it's not helpful. It yeah. adds, it piles on to the difficulty. And I think it's so true, everything that you just, you you just, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said. It's so incredibly profound. No, it's a lot because I think the thing that struck me the most is that, yes, our family does have, have a history of addiction and alcoholism. And certainly I've shared my story of bulimia. And I think all of what addiction and alcoholism and bulimia and all of the things, what is that? That's all about not wanting to feel. So if you, if you're, Talk, we're talking about death or we're talking about loss. It is so painful to feel the loss. I mean, it's, it's unbearable. And I think it it's normal to want to stuff the feelings down and not want to feel them. And so sometimes, you know, we can over, overeat and, uh, and overdrink and all the things. It's, it's just so normal for that to happen because it's hard to feel. It, it's hard to feel it because we're opening up that exquisite pain of the absence of the person that is no longer with us. And I think it's really important to honor that. It is exquisite. And I use that word because it is like no other. It is, it is like, like no, other. no other pain um, of that loss. And I think it takes time to really be able to step into it. And you were thrust into being, you were thrust into your last year of college. So you didn't really have the opportunity to even allow yourself that. And I think about, you know, with me losing Ellie last week and I, I remember crying and crying and crying and just so it was so painful. And I even have all these little, I have these serious bags underneath my eyes that because the crying was so intense. And I think when we, when we allow ourselves to feel that pain and it's not always easy because we're not always in the position of being able to do it. We got to go back to work and people want us to move on and we want life to move on. I laugh because I can vis- vividly remember myself like crying at the bar in school sure. and just crying like all over campus. I was just, I was that girl, yeah. um, but it's true. It, it pops up and you might not be in opportune places, but yeah. And we're like immediately trying is. to learn how to live with this and, it's just a lot. And it's, um, I think it's the moment that you stop though, trying to go on with your life. Of course, we've got to do the motions of everything, but not lying to yourself and not trying to pretend the moment that you say, look at, and I'm talking to myself right now, look, Barb, just allow yourself to feel the pain. Maybe you can't feel it at work or maybe you can't feel it at, at, um, you know, at, at a, at a, at a meeting or something that you're at, but give yourself permission. Okay. I've got to kind of hold it together. Cause I'm at work possibly, but when I get home, I'm going to give myself 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is to allow myself to just feel the hurt that I'm feeling. Um, and letting it out. Um, and I think that's, if we think about what grief has taught me, um, it's taught me that I can do that. I can cry and I'm not going to cry forever. Well, that is the fear that once you open the floodgates, they'll just never stop. I'm never going to be okay again. triggered by things. Yeah, yeah. So I used to be afraid that I, that I would be overwhelmed or overcome by it. Um, and I might not be able to survive it. So I think understanding, trusting yourself that, that you will survive um, and that you will be able to get back up, but you will be changed. Um, but it's taught me that I can feel the feelings, but that they won't swallow me whole. Like it won't, I won't be like in the water flailing around in the ocean (laughs) and that this great big, huge whale is going to, going to, you know, swallow me up or whatever. Those are some of the visuals that I've had over life. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's taught me that I can survive, but that life will never be what it was before. It will take a different form. Well, and like we talked about last episode, grief, I believe, really does come in waves. And sometimes the waves are very overwhelming. And 
I think having the knowledge or the awareness to say, okay, it's really heavy today. I need to take extra good care of myself, maybe lighten my load if I can, take some time to myself, do something that really is nourishing for myself. And then there's some, the waves are smaller and you feel like you've got it and it's all good. I just want to add too, I think I, I wanted to say this piece that I felt that grief is a lonely experience. You know, even though people around you, well, if you're stuck in the whale, <laughs> no grief is a lonely experience because you feel like you're so caught up in your own grief and your feelings and you feel isolated. I know that I felt isolated last week, even though you were right there, you know, a mile, less than a mile away. I know that I have friends. I know that I have outlets. I know that I have my practice. I know that I have all of those things. But when you get into the feeling of grief, it's lonely. It's isolating. And it can make you feel, because this is a trigger for me, um, it can make you feel like you're going crazy. Like, I don't know, do I really have it all together to be able to handle this in this moment? So it can make you feel like you're going crazy. And then, you know, earlier in the day today, someone asked me how he's doing. I said, I'm good. Everything is good. So then you start thinking, well, I'm a liar. I'm not good. But I don't really want to tell this person that I'm not exactly good because it's been a week since Ellie died. So it's like so many layers of everything um, because people want you to be okay. I remember when I told my friend I was good, she goes, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you're doing okay. Um, So I think it's very interesting to notice all the layers and just be accepting and not judgmental of yourself of everything that you're going through. It is layered. And I do get, I do get amped up. If you guys can tell, this is probably the most amped up I've been on a pot on an episode. So it is layered. And a couple of things that I picked up on that you were saying, the first being that it's a lonely experience. And of course it is because, and again, we've talked about this on the, the show we're the only ones that are in our minds 24-7. So we're the only ones who know what it's like to live our lived experience. So for you with Ellie, you're the only one that knows how deeply you were connected, the the very personal and sometimes mundane experiences that you had that, that bring emotion for you. You're the only one who knows that. I, I can be witness to it but I don't have the same feeling because that's your lived experience. I'm the only one that had those lived experiences with my dad or with anybody else that I've experienced loss with. So it's lonely because I'm the only one who knows what's going on in my mind, who knows what things experience, what trigger me, what emotions they bring up, what unique experiences that it brings to me every time I hear a song or smell a scent or do a thing just like with you. And so as much as we can try to understand other people, ultimately our lived experiences are so unique that nobody else can really understand. And for better or for worse, but it is lonely because I might not understand one day why you don't want to go to a particular place because you might feel triggered by it and vice versa. So that was the first thing that popped out. But I think that just like with everything else in life, our lives are so completely unique. We're living life through our own unique lens. We're the only one that's in our minds 24 seven. And so that's just how, that's just human nature. Um, and then secondly, I noticed you brought up just that piece of knowing who and where to share your feelings with as an act of self care. And I think sometimes with grief, I probably didn't do this because again, I was the hot mess that was just like blubbering all over the place. But 
an act of self-preservation for you is to have the discernment to know who you want to share with and who you just want to say, I'm good and keep going. And that's not making you a liar. And that's not making you feel like you're crazy to know that you can't talk about it in that vein or in that situation or with that person because it's not quote unquote safe Doesn't for you. Feel safe. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I think it's important to cultivate that discernment, especially when it's new. For you, it's only been a week. Yeah. Um, and so having that discernment to know when you can engage and when you need to not, and just having that boundary. I know we haven't fully gone and gotten into boundaries yet, which we will, but a boundary with grief is is knowing when to just say, I'm good, thanks, or thanks so much for your care. I'm not quite ready to talk about it, or you don't have to worry about me. If something's up, I'll, I'll reach out to you. Anything that, if it's someone that you really care about and someone that really cares for you that might be worried about you, knowing what to say to let them know that you're you're handling it, but that you don't want to engage with it. Yeah, I, that's beautifully said. And I think, I love what you said about knowing who you can talk to and who you can and and having those people, like having having the ability to be able to either write, if you don't have a person to be able to write your feelings and your emotions down or even to speak them out. I talk to myself all the time out loud um, she does. because I think it really is important to know that it is okay for you to be vulnerable. Like I can be very vulnerable with you and, and a handful of people in my life. So I have that outlet and I think it's the discernment is really important because I, for me being able to be vulnerable and being able to share um, what's happening for me in the moment, if, if, if it, if it's up for me, um, is really important because I think what's what's happened for me as I've moved into, you know, being 65 years old and, and having so many experiences of grief and loss already, it's made me braver. I, I'm not, even though my mind might say I feel alone or isolated, it's made me braver. It, when I when I start to go down that that path, I can say, no, wait a minute, let me give Michelle a call or let me give another friend a call or let me start writing this out or opening up and allowing myself to actually feel that I've grown stronger. I think we, we become braver. We become a little bit stronger. You know, that Glennon Doyle, we can do hard things. We actually can do more. We are more resilient and more powerful and more incredible at being able to handle what life throws our way and sends us than we think or than we can imagine. And I know I've felt that way. Sometimes I wake up and I say, wow, you are incredible, Barb. This is so amazing. I'm so proud of you. So I think it's, if anyone out there needs this permission, like, please give yourself permission to grieve. It is really crucial, I think, in the grieving process. It is not only okay to grieve, it is so very, very important. Um, and that you can, you can actually, you will start to recognize your own power and your own strength, and you can start to survive it. And I think that goes to one of the questions that one of the people asked us. I think, I believe that we start to have a fear, like you had a fear of a phone call coming from me that something had happened or another person had died or, or a phone call getting that, that if you don't hear from me, I remember one time I didn't 
text you back right away and you thought something had happened to me. Yeah, I that's think another one. If as, she doesn't write back right away, I'm like, oh God, where is she? You know, as we start to really be able to get, um, allow ourselves to grieve, grieve fully, we, we start to feel that sense of, of, even though we're vulnerable and even though it's hard and painful and sad, we start to feel like we're stronger, we're braver. So we don't have, we can start to start to mitigate or diminish that fear of it happening to someone else in our lives. And even ultimately, you know, being afraid of our own death because we realize that we're so much stronger and braver than we, than we think we are. So you start to really embrace that idea that I do have everything that I need within me to weather all of the storms of life, including death. Um, it's okay in this moment because everything is okay in this moment. So not allowing yourself to go down that road of, of fear of the future because you know that when the moment that anxiety arises and anticipation yeah. that in any, any moment, something could happen. That anticipatory grief that you, that you yeah. sometimes feel and talk about. Um, it, well, that is the ultimate, the ultimate antidote to that is living in the present moment, yeah. which we've talked about, but it's so easy, especially if you had an experience that has really changed you to feel like what's next and when is it next and when am I going to be rocked again? But if you can bring yourself back into the present moment and catch it and and remind yourself that right now it's okay. And then again, like what you were saying, feeling the feelings and even normalizing grief and normalizing that we all have the weird feelings about death and normalizing that we're all going to go through it. We don't have to ignore it or kind of push it away and take in all of the stuff that has happened to us because of that, like feeling stronger, feeling like if we ignore it, then we can't access those benefits. You know, I'm saying benefits in this instance of of the bravery and the confidence, but we can come out changed and have some some change for the good. And that only comes from the actual feeling of it. And I think right. that kind of for us both, we've talked about this a lot, that that whole adage that time heals all wounds or time heals all things. Well, and that's your that's, you're getting to the uh yeah, the, the tease from <laughs> the tease. last episode of the one piece of, of advice that doesn't really quite resonate for us. It needs more, it needs needs more understanding. It needs more teased out. They say time heals all wounds. And I think time heals all wounds in, in the way that we need for, in, in the way that we need our wounds to be healed. If we do other things along with the time that we're giving, like we must feel the feelings and feel that it's okay to feel the feel sad and, and uh, vulnerable and all of the things. We've got to do the work that will allow time to heal us in a way that we can feel like we can survive. It's okay to be vulnerable. All the things we've just talked about, I think, have to come after. We feel, I feel braver. I don't fear, I don't want to say that I don't fear death. I mean, I think death is that el- elusive thing out there that's going to happen to all of us, but I actually don't think about fearing death. And so I don't have that anticipatory grief or any of those things because I've allowed myself to feel the feelings and I feel vulnerable and I feel braver and I can feel stronger as a result. And certainly when another death of a loved one happens, I'm sure I'll get taken out again, but I'm not afraid to be taken out again because I know 
that I can survive and ultimately end up thriving in the new normal that will happen as a result of the next grief or the next um, loss because it's part of life. So I think we need more to that time heals all wounds because I think that can be kind of a a spiritual bypass a little bit. Like, okay, I'll just kind of wait this out because I'll be fine a year from now. And then then the grief comes out sideways somewhere. Some anger comes to the surface or some... um, uh, you know, fear comes to the surface. We don't even know where it's coming from. And ultimately it could be coming from the unprocessed grief that we were feeling because we didn't allow ourselves because we thought time was going to just take care of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what came up for me is I don't think that time heals all wounds because when I think of that and I think of myself 15 years ago and thinking that I had to be on the timeline and so many of you asked us about the timeline of grief. And that if I could get through that first year, I would be good. Once I got through the first year, it wouldn't hurt as much, which just isn't true. So the time didn't heal the wound, but I think that time helps to transform the wound. It takes you from phase to phase to phase. Um, And of course, you have to be an active participant in your grief. Otherwise, it will start to come out sideways. And I think when you are an active participant you can start to feel more at peace. And I think we can get into a little bit of the different phases of grief with that. But time isn't the healer. Time just transforms. And I, here I am 15 years later. No, I'm not in the same phase that I was when it happened, but it's not, I wouldn't say I'm fully healed because I've just transformed into a different version of myself. Like I said, there was pre and now there's post. And so it's just made me a new version of myself. And I, again, going back to what we talked about in the first episode about this, I don't want to fully be sewn back up together to a point where I can forget what I was before. Um, or how I felt before, or the memories that I had before. I I embrace my grief because it reminds me of everything that I had that I don't want to forget. So time goes on, and, and now that I'm very far along in this journey, I'll even say that sometimes as time goes on, you have more of a fear that you're going to forget the things. Mm-hmm you know, that you can't quite remember the voice or you worry that the things won't evoke the same feelings as they used to. So those are just some of the things that come up for me and just why that old adage didn't really resonate. I think what I love that you said is so really what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that um, healing equals transformation. Like your definition of healing is transformation. It doesn't go away. It just transforms. Yeah. So if I'm a healed person from grief and loss, it means that I've transformed into this next next time, uh, this next period of time, actually, of who I'm showing up to be. I'm being my authentic self. And now this is the version of me in this time as a result of the loss that I've felt and that I've been uh, moving through for the past 15 years. And I think what I would like to say with what you're saying, you know, that sometimes you may have a fear of the voice or whatever. I think what, what has happened for me, and I think it's happened for you a little bit sometimes is to always remember that maybe not being able to hear his voice, the transformation I think that's happened for you is 
he has transformed into other, other things and other memories. Like every time you see a Cardinal, Mm -hmm. every time you see a Cardinal and we don't see too many of them here in South Florida. I mean, I don't see too many. You will always see it. And I have to kind of search for it. Like you, you're like laser, like your laser vision. And you'll say, mom, there's dad. Yeah. And he's talking to me. So I think the voice even transformed. You might not be able to hear that voice that you knew prior to 15 years ago, but you're hearing his new voice, his transformed voice, Again, which is a transformed. Com- yeah. So I love that you are redefining, you're defining for you what healing means and for you healing means transformation. Um, and so many people asked about signs from people who have passed. And I, I do believe that if that's something that you want to have in your life, there are some people who might feel weird about that. But it, if, if there's something that you, that you want to have in your life from someone who's passed, being open to it and not trying to over-rationalize it or think too much about it. You know, it's just a very comforting aspect to grief. Like I said, when I see a cardinal or, you know, certain songs or anything, and you have your own, Mm -hmm. just being open to it. And I think I love, I love, I love everything. This conversation is so, (laughs) and so wonderful. Um, maybe to help you open up to the idea of it a little bit, because this helped me a lot. Um, everyone knows who Albert Einstein is. I mean, he's, one, think. Of, he's one of our most amazing humans. Um, and he said this, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be changed from one form to another. And so when I first read that, I, as I said in the last episode, I believe that the body is gone, but the energy and the presence and the essence of the person is still there. So believing what Einstein said with all of the scientific work that he did, I believe that energy is is present and there. And so it can't can't be created or destroyed because it just is. So this has helped me a lot. Maybe it will help you out there to start to just open up to the possibility, um, you know, that that the energy of the person is there. And if you allow it to, if you allow yourself to believe it, you may start to be able to feel it or see it, especially from your heart. Um, Especially maybe if you get goosebumps um, when you see something, maybe it's, you know, one of your loved ones, you know, tapping you on the shoulder, giving you a little hug or something. So I know, I know that, that that might seem a little bit different, but for me that has been essential in my transformation, in my healing, in my believing that the energy of the person is there. I think all of you know that I, I talked about, the, I think, the loss of one of my closest friends back in 2013, Mary. So Mary knew Ellie really, really well, and Ellie loved to sit in Mary's lap. So for me, I can I can actually feel Ellie sitting in Mary's lap, mm-hmm. wherever they are, and whatever it is. About that. And I had a dream about that. So it's I, I believe in that adage, believe it and you will see it. Like what we truly deeply believe in the depths of our soul, our consciousness and our heart actually can get, you know, be shown to us and can be felt by us. And it's comforting for me. It is comforting. Another question that we got a lot is, you know, how to embrace, how can we embrace grief and change our relationship with it? Because it is so painful and so triggering and just overwhelming at times. And I just want to remind everyone that just like with anything else in life, you have to take it one day at a time. 
Um, you have to be present to each day and to each feeling and to just tackle what life presents you in the present moment, knowing that you can handle it because it is going to be different every day. And like you said, when you wake up and you're like, wow, I got this, you know, knowing that you can handle the things, even if it's, if it's painful and you can be afraid, but still be able to handle it. And put your fear in your pocket and believe it anyway. I mean, it's okay to be afraid. No, I love what you said. Put I just, your fear in your pocket. Yeah, like take it with you. Don't try to wait. You can till live with your fear and not yeah. have it take you out. Yeah, don't try to wait for the fear to be gone. Just say, okay, fear, I see you here now, right now. Let me just carry you with me as I go about feeling my feelings or, or my day. And again, refocusing your attention, bringing yourself back to the present moment and bringing yourself, reminding yourself of the things that do bring you your, your joy. Going back to our tiny things tiny joyful things episode there are so many little things in every single moment that can give us a smile or make us happy and remind us that in this moment all is well and I think the simple practice of cultivating tiny joys of laughter you know you all have probably noticed that I use laughter as a coping mechanism like I I like to crack a joke Mm -hmm. or, or laugh or or make a funny comment so just Whatever you can do to bring yourself to lighten the load um, is really helpful because it's it's not stagnant. It's ups and downs. And no feeling is ever final. And no feeling is ever final. And I, I think as a as a um, an add on to that, no feeling is ever final. I wanna I think we might have spoken about Jill Bolte Taylor in one of the other episodes, but I wanna believe we wanna, I wanna bring it up again here because it's been crucial for me. And I'm going to bring in the mind again because we always talk about the mind. Um, Jill Bolte Taylor, who is a 37-year-old neurophysicist, scientist, had a massive stroke. Um, Everyone, all of her doctors, everyone said she will never recover. And she did not want to take that uh, for an answer for, for a finality of her life. And so she worked tremendously hard and did so much research and worked hard for herself and literally fully recovered. And what she discovered was this that it takes 90 seconds for a feeling to come and move through the body and go out. So it takes 90 seconds for a feeling to come up, to arise, move through our body, feel the feeling, and let it move uh, through our body, let it go out our body, unless we start fueling the feelings with thoughts. We engage with it. We engage with it. And so I this has transformed my life and it has tremendously helped me in the grieving process because I just allow myself to feel and when the feelings and when the thoughts start saying oh my god the other day I was thinking about Ellie because morning and nighttime were so critical and I mean she needed my care so when I was thinking about her I was thinking oh my gosh I wish that I had spent I wish that I hadn't gone to work and done um, one of the things that Michelle and I had to do on Friday for a couple of hours You know, because the mind will start, oh, I wish, you know, I wish or should have done this or should have done that or regretting this or uh, agonizing over that. And so that's the thoughts in my mind fueling my feelings. I was just missing her at night, getting ready to go to bed. And if I would just have allowed myself to just miss her in that moment, maybe cry a little bit, it would have been gone in that 90 seconds. So I hope that helps you see that 
when we start practice, it's a practice and we have to start, yeah, you have to be aware of it. But I, I also like the thoughts in the mind matter. So if you can truly bring yourself back to the moment of allowing yourself to just grieve, knowing that that little cry the other night probably would have lasted 90 seconds or a minute or two or whatever it would have. And I'd have been on to the next thing. Um, you know, brushing my teeth and getting myself ready for bed. So just remember that 90 seconds for the feeling to rise and come into the body and then, and then gracefully move out of the body unless you start feeling the feeling with, with thoughts in the mind that are basically not true, that are trying to take you out. Yeah, it's so true. So another question that we got from people is how to manage people, how to deal with people who has allowed their grief to change them, change their personality. And I wanted to take this question as an opportunity to just tap into quickly, because this is a long conversation, the stages of grief, which I know have morphed and evolved, and we don't want this to, to be a rigid box of if you're in grief, it's one, two, three, four, five. But just knowing that there's these common emotions that arise in grief, and a lot of people talk in the question when we asked for people's questions about anger and depression specifically. Um, and so I just wanted to remind everyone that a lot of these feelings are normal. So if someone is in one of these phases to just start to be aware of it and the the different phases of grief. And allow them to, I think, allow people to to, um, express their emotions and feelings because sometimes people get stuck in a phase because they don't feel like they can be themselves or that they can express their emotions. So if you're dealing with someone that you feel is stuck or that is in this particular space, sometimes just being loving and accepting and giving them a big hug can, can be what they need to feel like they're okay and they're not going crazy in that moment. And so the stages of grief that Michelle's talking about, it's it's so true. These are stages that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross spoke about decades and decades and decades ago in her book on death and dying. I recommend reading it. It's a great tool. It's a great That's tool. That's definitely something that we would recommend. Yes. You know, because we can't touch on every single aspect of grief in this one episode. So if you want to dive into this more, definitely... It's- give this give it a, give a it a, a you know even google it yeah because there's a lot more that has been written since her passing um but you said it you said it well it's it's not the the emotions of death are not meant to be put in these little neat five uh packages um they're just responses that that many people have had that she discovered as she was she was um doing research on this and so there's not a typical response as we've said everyone has their own unique way of grieving and and feeling loss, and there's no typical loss. And I think to understand that these are just five stages that are that make up, I believe, for me and my the study framework. of it. Yeah, they make up the framework work of grieving. They make up the framework of loss, and that help you learn to live with the loss of and a loved one. And not make you feel like something's wrong with exactly. you. Exactly. Just to use it as a tool. Really. And to identify your feelings. Oh, I'm feeling angry because sometimes we don't want to feel the anger. You brought up anger. Sometimes we don't want to feel the anger or denial. Or even just if you're someone who's not accustomed to tapping into your feelings one day, being like, wow, yeah, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. 
oh, okay, it, I, it's part of my grief. You know, yeah. like I think a lot of it can get disjointed if mm-hmm. you're not actively participating in the grief like we talked about earlier. Um, and so these five stages just can help you tap into where you are in any part of your journey with grief and to just hopefully help you feel more equipped to cope and remind you that you're not alone in these feelings because these are extremely common feelings and grief. So, and there, I, what, what I like to think of them as, and we'll tell you what the five are, but um, (laughs) they're, 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 these stages, we're hoping that it comes with, with our sharing of these five stages, that it comes with the knowledge of you navigating the terrain of grief, you know, that like, this is a, this is a messy challenging, difficult, um, arduous task that everyone goes through. No one escapes this. And so the five stages are denial, you know, denying that it ever happened. I mean, how many times I know I can identify with that stage and anger. So first is denial. Denial. And I I don't, sorry, we're not, we're giving you them in the order, but yeah, I, I want to make sure that people know that we're identifying each one. So right, first denial. denial, and these are not in any particular order because you can go in and out of all of these. Um, but it just seems like for me, denial came up first. Like that person isn't actually gone. I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and my mom is still going to be here, or um, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to have to go take Ellie for a walk. Right. It's kind of that idea that oh, am I living in a dream world? Did this actually really happen? So denial, anger. You know, and I like to think of anger, honestly. So allow yourself to feel the anger. It's so important to get the anger out. But I like to think of it as it's a sign of the intensity of the love that I have, um, that I really felt the love of this person deeply. And of course, depending on the type of loss, anger can be more intense Mm -hmm. for some people than others because there's a lot of injustices in the world. There's a lot of, you know, we're in a pandemic. So I think anger and the state of grieving is, is probably up for a lot of people. And I just want to add, since we're in this anger section and this came up in some of the questions as well, that there's the quote unquote typical anger that comes up with grief. But I would say if you're watching someone or it's coming up for you where there's like a violent anger, those are two different things. And I do think even with grief in general, and this was going to be like the ending piece for me, but therapy and talking to a licensed professional about all of this is ultimately that I credit the thing that, that got me through it. But especially if you're noticing a major change in behavior, like a violent anger or like a delusional denial, um, those are things that I don't think you can just feel your way through. You really do need a professional, um, to help you work through that or to get you into a plan that can, can keep you and the people around you safe. Yeah. And if you're ever feeling the hit of like, wow, I don't feel okay in this moment. And then of course, getting into some of these other reach out um, ones as well when we get into depression too. So these are the framework, but again, having the discernment to say, okay, I, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this person. We need extra help. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you just, so denial, so, anger, no, no, but we, bargaining. bargaining, bargaining, you know, gosh, if I could just been a better person, maybe that person might not have 
died and you start bargaining with God or, or spirit or whatever life time with her or regret and then depression. And it doesn't necessarily mean a deep depression. It just means that, um, I think that the, sometimes it can just mean that the, that the, their presence was, was even deeper than we imagined or that we can feel, can we feel this loss forever? And just some of the things, but if, if you're feeling like, wow, I don't know if I can handle this, then reach out to a friend or to someone that you trust completely or, or a professional and then the acceptance. And it doesn't mean that, um, being okay or all right, that the person died or what happened. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you're able, as you were saying, Michelle, you're, you're able to really now understand that they're not coming back in their physical form with the body. And now I'm, I'm ready to start, um, looking at what are some of the other ways that I can actually feel the person's present or that I can actually start moving into that transformation of the loss, um, that the loved one is physically gone and recognizing that this is a new reality. This is, as you said, this is the new, um, this is a new version of how I show up in the world now and how I live my life. It's being um, present to what is. Exactly. And that, that we are, we now live in a world where this person or pet is missing and that that's okay. Exactly. Um, so you give yourself permission to understand that, um, you know, that living in this new world and this new reality of what your life, this version and what your life is now is yours exactly. and it is uniquely yours. Exactly. And so lastly, people asked how to show up for people who mm, are grieving. Yeah. And I know this is a, another, could be a whole other episode, but I just wanted to give a few little tips with that because so many people want to show up and then they have the fear that they're going to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing and that they're going to make it worse. So I just wanted to say that there are a few things that just don't really help um, that everything happens for a reason. While that might ultimately be true, saying that to someone when they're deep in their grief doesn't really help. You're not given more than you can handle. Again, we are strong, resilient beings, but when you're deep in the grief, again, doesn't help. And then that old, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Again, you can be stronger and more vulnerable and braver from going through grief, but when you're deep in it, you're like, please, I don't need to hear that. So being mindful with what you say, and ultimately the best, best thing that you can do for someone who is grieving is to just say, I'm here for you. I had a lot of people that just showed up for me. They didn't need to say anything. Just knowing that I had people who would drop everything if I needed them to, who would come be with me if I needed them to, was enough. And I also think we think we have to say the right thing. It's not about what we say. It's about what we present and just saying, I'm here for you if you need me. And also not placing my need to show up for you as a burden onto them. You know, so many times people want to call you all the time and text you to make sure you're okay, but that adds to the burden. By just saying, I'm here for you, I don't want to burden you, if you need me, I'm here, to me is everything. So I know a lot of people are different, but for me and my grief, like that was what I needed. I couldn't agree more. I think think most of us want want to just know that that there is another person out there that could be there for us. I'm just a phone call away if you need me. Just even giving a hug without even saying anything, just walking in and giving a hug. Um, um, you know, I wish I had the words to say, but just know that I care deeply is what you said. And 
and just, you know, saying nothing and being with the other person. One of the things that I think, too, that's important, especially given you're talking about yours 15 years in, um, you know, don't say to someone, it's been 15 years already. Aren't you over this already? Also that. Because <laughs> I already feel that. I know you do. You know? I know. Sometimes I know you do. And I think you feel the energy of, uh, we were having a conversation. You could feel the energy of somebody saying, she's still talking. She's still writing blogs about her dad. Get <laughs> she's over not over it that already. yet. So, And then I, I think the other thing is that I've realized um, when my mom died, which has been a long time ago now, um, it was traumatic and my mom and I had such a complicated relationship and we won't, we'll go into that maybe another episode, but I remember being devastated. And I remember thinking of all the people that I knew whose mothers had died and I had gone and said to them, I know how you feel because I had experienced a lot of death in my life, but I'd never lost my mother. And I've goosebumps saying this to all of you right now. So I will never say that to someone. I know how you feel as much as even if you know the greatest loss or the greatest grief or I don't know if we ever know how another person feels. And exactly. for some reason, when someone said that to me recently, when my yeah. when my friend died, I was like, I uh, don't think you know how no, I you feel. Don't. Yeah. Again, because we're all having these unique yeah. experiences. And it's not, and it's such a beautiful thing when you actually can identify that for yourself, that no one does know how you feel. And it's such a transformation for me that I really won't say that to another person because I really don't know how they feel. And I want them to have their own unique experience and feelings, just like I want to be uh, allowed to have the same situation. So yeah, I think I would just end as you wrap up Michelle so beautifully every episode, <laughs> I would just end for myself. I would love to tell everyone that grief is real. It is real. Um, and that it's a part of the human condition uh, and that no one does escape it and that you will survive and trusting and believing that you will you will move through it um, and you will become out the other side, as Michelle has said, transformed into the new um, reality and the new version of the life that you're living without this person or, or a pet. Yeah, just remember reminding everyone that grief is universal and it will change you and you won't be the same, but you'll be more resilient and more confident and stronger. And I wanted you to just say, because you mentioned this when we were talking before we left to do this, the two sides of the coin. Yes. What, this is an experience that I have felt deeply and I'm, I'm not quite there yet with, with Ellie cause it's been so new, but one of the things that I've noticed that, um, we can't have, we can't have happiness and joy without pain and suffering. There's always two sides of the coin. Every person on the planet will, will experience one of these feelings at one point or another. And so what I've been able to link to grief for me has been, yes, I'm going to experience the pain and the suffering and the sadness right now, but I know the other side of the coin of joy and happiness will be there. Um, so I think just trusting and believing that, that there are two sides, that there is always, there's not one without the other and knowing that the other is there. And even though that you're not feeling it right now, you will. And that the grief and sadness can open you up to that greater sense of happiness and joy because, again, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. And that grief can remind you of, of those tiny joys. Like I have a greater, and we should, uh, not should, but I really do want to talk about my relationship with my mom at some point in an episode. But, I, but I, have a, I have a greater love and a greater happiness about my mom now 
decades later, and I never thought that that could ever happen. So I think going through the grief and the sadness and all the things that I went through, that I do have a deeper love and joy and appreciation and happiness about it. So, Which is really beautiful. And that's all we can hope for when we go through such such a thing like like grief. And we love all of you so much. I just want to say that I I love you all so much. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. And um, it, it's hard. And we're doing all of the things together here and doing the hard things together. You don't know us except on the podcast. We don't know you, but I do feel like we are we are really connected at a deeper level when we talk about um, episodes like this and topics like this. Yeah. So thank you for being here and your presence is really deeply felt. Thank you. That was a journey, but a good one. So thanks for, for being a part of this conversation and for being such a wonderful safe space to talk about things like this. Again, I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into this topic and more aspects of it as we go along, but I hope that this was helpful for anyone who's going through the grieving process. Again, feel free to send in more questions if you have any, and we will address them. As always, please stay in touch. Please make sure you're following us on social media, at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. Also make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Of course, have to say it. We always love when you give us a five-star review. That helps us immensely. And your reviews that you leave. We read all of them. We read them, and they're really beautiful and lovely. So if you feel called, please give us a note. We read them. And thank you for that. And thank you all for being you and for being with us again. Because as we know, Barb knows best. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.